Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast, and this is episode 8, and we're calling it Who on Earth is Jesus? Part 1. And this will be just a shorter episode for a few reasons, none of which matter, so I won't get into them. Uh, But in any case, part 2 should be out in the next week or the week after. Uh, Remember to check out the website. You can write us an email, you can sign up for the Patreon to support us. We love hearing from all of you, and we really love your questions and encouragement, as well as some of the things that you've been challenging us with. So keep it up. One quick thing before we get started is that there's something weird going on with Will's mic in this episode, so it's a little fuzzy. Sorry about that, uh, but we'll fix it up for next time. With that said, let's talk about Jesus. All right, hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. Again, we are back. My name is Ben. That sounded so sassy. We are back. And we're back. Hey, all right. Lonely Mountain Mystics will be right back. And we're back. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how to follow that up. And I'm Devin? uh, No, I'm Devin. Uh, And I'm Will. (laughs) You're Will. (laughs) And I'm Andy. All right. That was helpful for nobody. (laughs) We got... Everyone is successfully confused. We got got casting a little bit mixed up on this one. Good job. We hired... We fired our assistant. All right. So we're going to talk a little bit about Jesus. This last episode that we did, we talked about atonement and kind of what the death of Jesus meant or or means to us. And tonight we're going to talk about his life, I guess, and and who he is. So I kind of have three questions, three sort of topics we can kind of talk around. And they're really just like three names that get thrown around for Jesus, all of which are in the Bible. And so we'll go through kind of each one and I'm interested to hear your guys' thoughts. So the first one is son of God. He's called the son of God. The next one is the son of man. And then the final one is Christ. And so we'll talk through all three of those. And yeah, we'll just kind of see where it takes us. So this first one, Son of God, what do you guys think about that one? Do you guys have any thoughts on kind of what it means to you? But then if you have any thoughts or if you've done any research on what the original intent for the term uh, would have been. So Son of, so the way that I now look at Jesus taking, claiming the title of Son of God, or even like being okay with being given that title, Son of God, if he's not explicitly claiming it. I, I now see that as him performing an act of like political like revolution, but not necessarily for the sake of making a political statement, but for showing that political power is, or that he's subverting political power. So Son of God would have was the term ascribed to Caesar, that Caesar is literally a divine being. And that's, I think, part of what got Jesus killed, is that he's making a very extreme claim, or he's okay with an extreme claim being made about him. He's not fighting it, because there is this other theological dimension, which I honestly, like, just to be totally honest, find less interesting now. Like, I'm really interested in the whole, like, in the physical playing field so to speak, like what, how this has to relate to human, like relations, not necessarily Jesus's relation to God. And I don't, it's interesting, but can't ever prove any, anything like that. So that I definitely, I, so I definitely think that that is important. Like bringing that to, like bringing that to the table is that whenever the New Testament seems to talk about him being the son of God, it's not necessarily saying that he's not divine, but there is a deeper, there is a, a deeper cultural meaning to that which I always found really interesting 
like when I was learning about the Bible in Bible college and in seminary, because that was a dimension that I just did not know existed, was that there, this is a political world, this is situated, and it means something that I would have never thought about. And it wound up get, helping getting him killed because he's making, he's basically dissing Caesar when he's not making an argument for that. And I guess I don't really know how that affects me now, but I think it makes the story a little richer. The political side of things that Will's talking about is really huge. And for me, in my faith earlier on, the idea of Jesus as God's son, um, that was a really challenging thought, especially paired with the idea of Jesus being sent here to die. That was really challenging. So the idea of Jesus as son of God uh, paired with the idea of Jesus coming here specifically to be murdered on my behalf. That was a really challenging prospect because of the nature of what that type of relationship looked like in relationship to the Father. And so that was really challenging. So now when I look at the idea of Jesus as Son of God, I look at the fact that as a society and as a people, we oftentimes kill messianic figures that are sent that are doing things to help us looking at uh, political uh, people like Gandhi or Martin Luther King um, or even Abraham Lincoln like when you see people who are trying to do something for the betterment of the world oftentimes they end up being murdered and that's a statement of our human nature and not a statement of God's wrath uh, so that's kind of the way that I look at that lens of um, Jesus as God's son. However, I don't necessarily spend a lot of my thought life around, is Jesus the son of man or is Jesus the son of God? Um, but as I've began reconstructing, that's whenever I see those interactions in scripture with it, that's kind of how I look at it now. So just to tie those two things together, I also, I also grew up with that idea that Jesus was like God's son. And I think I like the way that you phrase that because it makes it reminds me of being like a teenager and thinking of Jesus literally as only fulfilling one purpose. That purpose being like to die. And I just I never found that interesting. Like I was never I was never drawn to that. That never I never really felt like that meant much to me. And so as I as I so in my journey as I got like went to college and like learned more about that it actually helped me to think of Jesus as a bigger figure by situating him in a context that was divorced from like the simple Jesus came here to die and forgive your sins story that we were given because I feel like since a kid hearing that it just I feel like it just lost its value. I think an interesting question and maybe I'll just throw this back out to you guys what Last week we covered the idea of atonement, right? And I think at least, I think it's fair to say that all of us in this room, though maybe not all of our wonderful listeners who we love, we love you all listeners, are kind of at a point where we don't, we don't see the, the idea of Jesus' death the way we used to, right? We, it used to be very transactional. It used to be this idea that Jesus died so that your sins could be forgiven, we don't think that way anymore. So like the interesting thing to me is the, the importance of Jesus's like quote unquote divinity always had to do with that, 
when I was growing up, right? So like, if that's not a thing, then it like it it starts to open up these questions of like, okay, then what what's important about that? And what's different about that from the way that we all have like the divine image? And does Jesus have to be divine in order for us to listen to him or think his ideas are important? And if that's the case, do we have like a listening problem? Because like, shouldn't the content kind of speak for itself if it's good? And so like, it sort of just opens me up to thinking like all these, all these other things. And I will, I definitely, I definitely connect with what you said about like the, that political statement. I think, I think that was for me, one of the most exciting things to think about in terms of um, the idea of son of God, because right, like early on in my deconstruction, you start thinking about the idea of like, okay, we obviously aren't assigning some kind of biology to God. So we don't think that God had children the way that human beings have children. So we don't really know what that means. Right, we're sort of, that's a very arbitrary sort of thing that we're saying, um, but it makes a lot more sense in the context of like, okay, that was actually a thing that, that was normal. Everybody was like, oh, right, Caesar is the son of God. That would have been like a, something that you would have heard on the street. Um, but for Jesus to claim that term, who is like such a polar opposite, like Caesar represents like peace by the sword, right? I'll, I'll, things will go well for you if you don't oppose anything that I say or do. Otherwise, you know, you're dead. Where Jesus teaches this way of nonviolence and the dignity of every human being and the interconnectedness of all things. So which is very threatening to an empire way of approaching the world. And like, to me, that like lights me up about what we're, where we're living right now. Like we're living in a world right now where we're asking who are we supposed to be to each other? There's people who have power who don't wanna lose it. And it's very threatening to those people for, for, us, to for us to stand up and say even now, well, hey, I, I hear that you have power and that you don't wanna lose it, but we all belong to each other and our existence is interconnected. And you, you know, you, you can't isolate yourself from that. So like it, the, even these ideas today, to me, whether you're talking about um, the climate crisis or whether you're talking about wealth inequality or whether you're talking about access to just general, general human needs. Um, to me, like Jesus is, Jesus like being assigned or adopting that name as a political way of saying like, there's another way there's another way to do this. Like there's another way to exist in the world. There's another way to, to be human that isn't gonna result in the annihilation of the planet. That to me, that's a, that's a much more interesting thing to talk about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 It makes him, yeah, it kind of makes him a badass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so as you're talking, like what comes up in my mind is the, okay, so you have Caesar saying, I am the son of God because the power lies with me and this is what true power looks like. And then you have this guy, Jesus, who comes on the scene and says, no, I am the son of God because this is what true power looks like. Yes. Is that kind of what you're saying? That's better mm -hmm. than what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's like a, a way to like tie it back into the explicit biblical narrative. Yeah. Because that's, well, I mean, that's just like, that's just how he's, subver that's just how he's subverting it is he's taking, 
it's a lot of the Bible's like that. Like the the Genesis, like the creation story, is subverting expectations from Mesopotamian like origin stories, taking very clear ideas that the readers would have known that we don't because we just read the Bible at face value in the West. So he's he's t- he's taking a very clear idea and flipping it on its head and saying, you know, it's different. This kingdom's different. It's not the way that it's been run. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you a new way of how to be. So it's yeah. I, the political side of it is, is it's a very interesting narrative because anytime you hear like references to like faith moving mountains or crossing valleys and 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 stuff like that, like that's what Caesar did. Caesar would when they were conquering a territory, they would flatten valleys and they would level mountains to get through. And so when he's talking about you know, faith like a mustard seed can cast a mountain into the sea. It's this very politically charging statement and very politically empowering statement, which is why, again, he was seen as like a borderline terrorist and why he was such a threat to power. And I love your tie-in with the idea of like how we live in this world from a modern perspective. Because I think that there's so much that is so applicable, especially on that political side. There's so many tie-ins because because of that subversion of ideas. So, you know, the book of Job is a subversion. In the Old Testament, people from us were awful, evil people. And then you have the book of Job, a man who is from us, who's the most righteous man that ever lived. Same thing with Ruth, who was the uh, Moabite woman. Same thing with the Good Samaritan. The, it's a very common theme of like this idea of subverting expectations cool all right well let's move on to the next one then jesus the term that he seems to prefer for himself at least as recorded in the bible is the son of man as opposed to the son of god which i think is interesting what do you guys think about that why do you think it's interesting (laughs) i think that's interesting because of the story that we grew up with where you're right like you said before like the divinity of Jesus is the thing. Without that, the the whole thing falls apart. So it's interesting to me that he, Jesus himself, like when referring to himself, doesn't lean on that title to validate what he's doing. So I think that the nerdy answer for this would be to look at the book of Daniel, which is where there are some pretty interesting... Um, like prophecies that that occur and I, I think when people geek out about the bible and wanted to prove like what's important and what's true they always go to daniel son of man is referenced in that but as what i think is more interesting is that so like in hebrew like son of man son of man like the term would be ben adam um would be son of adam which adam is just the word for man so i i think seeing Jesus at, so from or- Christian orthodoxy, you, Jesus is fully God and fully man at the same time. Jesus, obviously, in the New Testament, seems to lean into the, into the identity of being the fulfillment of man, more, not necessarily more, but maybe more noticeably than relying on his divinity in the stories, which I think is really compelling from the part of me that does try to retain my my education and like my orthodoxy would look at that and say well that's him being the new adam and he's he's intentionally leaning into that because he's bringing life where adam brought death which i don't think is not necessary i don't i don't i think that that's definitely a theme in the bible i don't 
I don't think about that super often. Like, it doesn't have that much meaning to me from the Orthodox perspective. But to see Jesus as a figure, as one that brings life where there was death, I think is a statement that I would more easily resonate and do think about often enough these days. Yeah. And actually, um, so John Philip Newell in his book, Christ of the Celts, writes about the idea of, and I, I don't, I think he's referencing someone else as well, but he writes about the idea of, we often hear about Jesus as the supernatural one, um, but in Celtic tradition, they think of Jesus as what he would call the truly natural one which like blew my mind when I started reading about that because right like for us to think about Jesus as some sort of superhero is I mean interesting as a story but really fairly irrelevant right like has nothing to do with our life now the way we exist really anything other than just recounting the story and but Jesus as like the truly natural as almost like as almost like Jesus leaning into the idea of of modeling, hey, this is what it means to be a human, almost like inviting everyone into the true divinity of their humanity. You know what I mean? That like that to me is so that's so beautiful and exciting and has so many like possible meanings you know possible ways to to read in the world like when when i think about like if i if i spend time with the idea that my true nature is connected to the divine like that changes the way i think about myself that changes the way i treat my neighbor like it just has all these immediate practical applications which is the only reason i'm interested in spirituality like is, is what it actually does in, in my practices, in my brain, in the way that I see myself and the way I see my neighbors. So that to me is, I love that Jesus leans into that term son of man because I think describing himself as like, no, I'm not other than you. I am in you and you are in me. Like, you know, all that kind of language. I don't think that that is uh, exclusive to Jesus. I think that's him sort of describing like, this is how it is. Right. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I, yeah, I love that. I, Ooh, <laughs> I think there's so much I just like want to agree with that. I don't really know like where to start with that because I, that, that is truly a genuinely more exciting, I think, vision of Jesus to me than whatever, like, than whatever I'd picked up as Jesus as Jesus as divine that like, so to go back to the, is it truly human or fully human? Truly human. So, at some point, my thinking about Jesus shifted to where I began to see him not as, well, okay, so my thinking about perfection changed. So, you think of perfection as, like, just truly flawless, which I think is a, a good way to make, drive yourself mad. But if you think perfection in terms of, of fulfillment, as the, like, to, to become perfect is to become more and more, to become more and more whole. To see Jesus as the perfect man is to see him as the most truly human, the most full human. Because perfection, the reason I even bring that word up again, is that it does have theological like significance. Like to be perfect as, like, as, as the Father is perfect. It's just to be whole. 
as 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 the father's whole who taught us how to do that who taught us how to be more like that well that was jesus why is it significant not necessarily because it was divine but because he was because he was human because he because he did experience lack because he did have that and he did he does know distance um I love that idea as to be, I I just, I was having a conversation with somebody recently and they referenced that verse, but the idea to be perfect as the father is perfect is to be most whole as the father is. That's sorry. That was awesome. Preach it, brother. (laughs) Thanks. I haven't thought about that verse in like two years (laughs) or longer. Yeah. I was just going to agree too. I think that the idea of perfection is not flawless. Perfection is wholeness. Yeah. But I thought that for a long time, and probably a lot of other people do. I think the probably the most helpful first step for me in getting rid of like the toxic faith stuff was whenever I redefined perfection. So I didn't go with like wholeness, but I just redefined what it meant to be perfect. Mm-hmm. That just because you're not a flawless person, that doesn't mean that you can't like be. And this is going to sound a little crazy, but like just because you're not a flawless person doesn't mean you can't be the perfect person. And by that, I mean somebody who like feels bad when they do mistakes and try to make them right. Someone that, you know, taking it biblical, you know, you look at David who like committed every sin under the table, but was still considered a man after God's own heart. And when you look at what it means to be like a truly human individual. It's a person filled with grace, filled with forgiveness, filled with um, love, with respect, with uh, pushing people towards their betterment. And when you look at that, it made it so much better. Because for me, when I think about being the perfect father, I don't think about being a father that never makes a mistake. I think about being a father that never stops working to love his children as best as possible. And that's what a perfect parent looks like. So for me, just in a ton of ways, for my own mental health, redefining perfection has been absolutely crucial because it drove me insane. You know, Jesus as God was never very interesting because I feel like it was always that get out of jail free card. But when you focus more on the humanity of Jesus and that idea, Andy, that you're saying of like being fully natural, that's good stuff, man. Not a lot to add, just a lot of amen and yeah, keep going. Yeah, it just brings this person of Jesus very close and very like grounded in in here as opposed to something far off and far away that is just like whatever, it's out there somewhere. Thanks for listening to another episode. If you like the shorter format, or for that matter, if you didn't like the shorter format, then feel free to let us know, and uh, we will take your feedback into consideration. Uh, We should have part two ready for you in the next week or so, so look forward to that. Remember, you can support us on our Patreon, and you can find a link to sign up on our website, LonelyMountainMystics.com. A big thank you to our patrons who I hope really enjoyed the first patron-only episode that we put together for you. It was really fun to make, and we've got another one coming your way really soon. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks, everyone, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.